Coming up on Golf Today, another week with Tiger front and center, this time at the PNC Championship in Orlando with son Charlie. What are the expectations? Can they win? And how about the winners of the QBE shootout? Hoagie and Tagala get it done. And high praise for Nelly Corda, who impressed with her all-around game. Is it proof that mixed events do work? And after years of grinding, Brian Cooper snags one of five precious cards at PGA Tour Champions Q School, a dream deferred no longer as Coop shares his story coming up on Golf Today. Golf Today. Today on a Monday, Damon Hack alongside Anna Jackson. It's December, folks, making lists, checking them twice. And we're talking about Tiger Woods in December. Yes, going to find out if they're all naughty and nice. I think that's how, <laughs> that's how the song Rest goes. Right? Is absolutely. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, Christmas is coming. It's our last Monday here on Golf Channel before uh, we all take a little bit of a Christmas break. Yeah. It's been such an early Christmas gift, I think, having so much Tiger action. I mean, you said it at the top of the show. It's Tiger time. Uh, but it's feeling Christmassy around here. I've just been sat in makeup for about an hour with uh, NBC <laughs> Olympics own Johnny Weir dressed as a full elf from top to toe. So you <laughs> never course. know what you're going to see uh, here at NBC over Christmas. But it's a fun month of golf it really is and I think it is a gift to, to keep this pun going uh, to the golf viewer and to the fan at home there's a lot to watch obviously on your sports calendar and you got football going on as well but to have golf and I think this is meaningful especially as we try to read the tea leaves about Tiger mm -hmm. not just this week in Orlando but his future in 2023 as well yeah we've had so much to dig into when it's come to Tiger Woods over December which has been so much fun and of course he was in action over the weekend because the game's biggest names uh, were out and about on Saturday night in the match at Pelican Golf Club. I'm sure you all watched it. The dynamic duo of Justin Thomas and Jordan Speed took on Rory McIlroy and, of course, Tiger Woods under the lights. Tiger was back in the spotlight as his last competitive appearance came at the Open back in July. Tiger and Rory made birdie on their first, but their strong start would not continue as they eventually fell to JT and Speed three and two. So i got to say it was a fun night, d -Hack. What was your big takeaway from the match? Probably how much I enjoyed it. My expectations were pretty low. It was fun seeing those four together under the lights. It had a little bit of a Truman Show feel, the old Jim Carrey movie, like a, a movie set. It was so fun. And then obviously seeing Tiger Woods with a golf club in his hands, even at this part of his life and career, it's like Pavarotti walking onto the stage before he sings Ave Maria. You just appreciate it because you don't know how long we're going to have Tiger able to play the game of golf. He can play it fine. It's the, it's the other parts that you worry about. Standing around, walking from tee to green, green to tee, as he would do in a normal PGA Tour event. Obviously, he had the cart for the match, but you just wonder, as he said himself in the Bahamas, how much more does he have in that leg? You're right. I mean, and he also said just a few weeks ago as well, he said, I've got every shot in the bag. Mm. I just can't walk. I just can't physically get from A to B. I'm not sure if he had every shot in the bag on Saturday, yeah. but I mean, he looked good out there. The swing looked good. I think it's just fun to see him out there. I love the relationship that he has got with these Tiger babies, as yeah. we call them, Rory, JT, and Justin. It kind of felt like JT and uh, Jordan were, were sort of like the naughty schoolboys that were just jabbing away at the headmaster <laughs> and the head boy in Rory and Tiger. And, you know, it wasn't the best golf that we've ever seen, but hey, they were p playing in pitch black. Yeah. Um, but the time was good. The dynamic was good. It was really fun hearing them go back and forth with Charles Barkley. And you know what? As the match goes, one of the better ones. Yeah, I agree. And just seeing those young players when they're standing off to the side of the tee box, watching Tiger Woods, their idol, 
their hero. They still appreciate it, and they want to beat him, and they did beat him, but you can still kind of sense that just a little bit of awe and respect. They know that they're playing with one of the best players in the history of this game. Mm. At least I felt that come through the television set. Yeah, and uh, there was a little bit of trash talk as well, Obviously, which, is, which yes. always comes with the match. I mean, you know, it's golf trash talk, so it's never really going to be true <laughs> trash talk. But, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and uh, and we enjoyed, always enjoy watching Tiger out there. He is out there, of course, this week at the PNC Championship. But we also had another fun event going on. That was the QBE shootout. The numbers that we saw, 34 under, final round of 62 for the winning team, joining a list of players to win the QBE, by the way, in their first appearance and become the first team of rookies to win since Keegan Bradley and Brendan Steele back in 2011. The two have combined for 280 PGA Tour starts. Hoagie, by the way, captured his first tour win earlier this year at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, while Tagala has two runner-up results on tour in 2022. Now, after the victory, the team reflected on the past year. 2022 for both of you guys has been a very much a breakout season. Uh, when you look back at, on it, each of you, uh, what are your sort of takeaways for the year? Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I got my PGA Tour card last year, and, and my only goal or expectation was to keep my PGA Tour card, and I've said it a lot. My, my dreams never really got past keeping getting a PGA Tour card, so I'd be lying if I said I didn't exceed my own expectations, and, and I haven't really thought about it too much. I've just tried to let my momentum keep rolling and, and try and get better and, and enjoy the whole thing, so it's been an unbelievable year, and, and to cap it off, this week with Tom is just a cherry on top. You know, it's, it's been a really good year and I'm very grateful for it. No doubt, Sita Gala has been one of those breakout stars that we've just found really fun watching, making it to the Tour Championship as a rookie. Not many people can ever say that, but the journey that he's been on is certainly one that he can be proud of. Absolutely. This is a winner of the, of the Hogan Award, the Haskins Award, Nicholas Award in college. I caught up with Sahith at the old course. I had just landed. I went as quickly as I could to the 150th, and I wanted to watch the players during their practice round. I caught up with Sahith on the tee. I hadn't met him yet. I watched him hit this shot, took a video of it, and as soon as we walked off the tee, I introduced myself. I said, Sahith, how are you doing? He had just come off that tough loss at the Travelers in Cromwell, Connecticut. He said, I'm just so happy to be here. He was just so happy, as he mentioned, just to have a PGA Tour card. He's playing in the 150th Open. It's his first ever Open Championship. And just the joy mm -hmm. and the gratitude as someone who was so successful at Pepperdine, a three-time All-American, could have been a little bit haughty, a little full of himself. Not at all. Just thankful. And the gratitude continues to be a part, maybe like a 15th club, similar energy, I think, to Victor Hovland. Just very happy to have a PGA Tour card. And now, unofficial win, yeah. but a win nonetheless. Unofficial win, but it's got to be such a huge boost for him uh, going into next year. Such a strong rookie season. We can't wait to see what he does uh, next year, Dean. And, of course, he said he overtook his own expectations yeah. himself. But who sort of exceeded your expectations this season across, across the world of golf? I gotta go with Scotty Scheffler. Yeah. I mean, looking back, player of the year on the PGA Tour, four victories. He wins a major championship, the Masters, a World Golf Championship event, and two more events besides. You know, he went 2 0 1 in the Ryder Cup for the United States, uh, given John Rahm his only defeat in Wisconsin. And he was building momentum, but he hadn't won on the PGA Tour. So, yeah, you could say you saw this coming. I can't say I saw this mm -hmm. season coming. Four wins, getting to world number one. I think it was an incredible season. Also could have been 
nearly was an historic season. Four wins, four second-place finishes, including at the U.S. Open. It was an incredible year. I think we thought that a win was on the way. I don't think we saw four wins, including a green jacket. Yeah, it even feels like Scotty himself, you know, found himself in a position this year that he certainly was not expecting, talking to the media. And we all know the story the night before the Sunday at the Masters and getting emotional because he just wasn't sure if he was ready for the moment. Can you he, believe that? In I know, tears, telling his wife, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah, yeah, and it just goes to prove that he is. And we haven't seen a win from him since the Masters, but you've got to think next year he's poised to, to rival Rory McIlroy for that number one position. Uh, How I about think, you? You got somebody? Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's. You, I was thinking about Tom Kim, but then I also thought we had absolutely zero expectations right. for Tom Kim. So how can he exceed them when he didn't even have a card at the start of the year? But for me, it was Lydia Ko. I mean, coming into the year, she was fifth on the LPGA money list last season. She had four runner-up finishes, that bronze medal at the Olympics. And we knew that she had everything in the bag to get the job done this year. But I don't think we expected her to pick up three wins, her first multi-winning season since 2016. Player of the year for the second time, uh, coming for the first time since 2015, where she won five times, including a major. You just saw it there, picking up the biggest winner's check in the history of the women's game at the CME Group Tour Championship. $2 million in the bag for Lydia Ko that week. A nice little pre-wedding surprise for her that she's got uh, coming up this month. So we know how magnificent she is. She's been in the spotlight since she's been such a young woman. Now she's a fully-fledged athlete, and she makes her own decisions. Her trajectory in this game is only going in one direction. Now a 19-time winner on the LPGA and I just think this year for her was career defining. I think you're right she had so much turbulence uh, along with the success young no wins in 2019 no wins in 2020 one win in 2021 she has climbed back to the top of the mountain which is where a lot of us expected her mm -hmm. to be but I tell you what these careers they're, they're, they're not always like this there's a, there's a little bit of up and down even for a prodigy like Lydia Ko. Yeah and congratulations to her she deserves all the success she's got she said she's going to retire at 30 so we've got five years left <laughs> of Lydia Ko, and I think they're going to be a good five years all right well stay with us because we are just getting started here on golf today it is a tiger week here on golf as we gear up to see the 15 time major winner in action at the PNC championship later this this week on the other side of the break, we've got Bob Harrig who joins us with more Tiger 2022. Plus, we look ahead to what 2023 could look like for the 82-time PGA Tour winner. That's next. Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway Golf. Welcome back to Golf Today. Now, the PNC Championship gets underway this weekend in Orlando, Florida. The 36-hole scramble event features 20 teams consisting of a major champion or player's champion with a relative. And, of course, Tiger Woods and his son, Charlie, headline the field as the duo finish runner-up in 2021 to Team Daily. It is going to be so much fun seeing these two out together next week. Now, over the weekend at the match, Tiger was asked about Charlie's distance off the tee, whether he's outdriven him yet and he said I hate to say it but I'm going to admit it he finally did it a few weeks ago I spun one he tomahawked one and got me so it is going to see great to see these guys that are out there together as we welcome uh, in illustrated a uh, sports illustrated writer Bob Harrig for more on Tiger uh, really good to see you Bob I mean we've been so blessed to kind of see and hear so much from Tiger over the last couple of weeks what's been your sort of your biggest takeaway as to everything that we've seen so far yeah, you're right. It's been, uh, you know, kind of an embarrassment of riches here lately, seeing him even just for a short time at the Hero uh, this past weekend at the match. And 
you know, I think it's sort of been his his honesty about his own personal plight right now. He's in a he's in a tough spot. He's uh, he's struggling with his right foot. This plantar fasciitis is no joke. Um, you know, my guess is is if he had no uh, foot injury issues to begin with, uh, this would be a problem. Throw in the fact that, as we all know, he's still trying to recover from the horrific injuries to his right leg. It makes it even worse. So, and yet we saw some, you know, some flashes of the old tiger the other night, you know, so there, it's still in there. He says he has all the shots. Uh, he just can't get to them, which uh, obviously is a huge deal at this point. Bob, the thought by conventional wisdom would be, you know, you have an injury and eventually that injury improves and the athlete gets mm-hmm. better. But we keep hearing Tiger say that he doesn't know how many swings he has left in this leg. Is that the sense that you have as well, that it's not just a pitch count, but that his days as a golfer in terms of being able to use the leg the way he wants to, that those are actually numbered? Yeah, I think there's a lot to that that's a little scary to think of. Um, he he did say at the Hero during that Tuesday news conference that he um, he had been making improvement, that he felt that he had made strides since the Open in July to that point. And it was a question I actually asked him. I mean, have you gotten better? Have you seen you know more strength or whatever? I think that's what we were all hoping for. In other words... We knew how labored it looked there that last day at St. Andrews in four or five months time. Is there going to be some, some, you know, positive movement forward? And he said there was, and it sounds like though in trying to get ready for the hero, he ramped it up too much. And of course this is going to always be the issue, right? What's the fine line of doing enough to get ready to compete, but yet, uh, you know, not doing too much that you hurt yourself like he apparently did. And, I think this is what he faces now going forward. I think we all know he needs to be compete a little bit more to try to be competitive, but yet if he pushes beyond that too much, he won't be able to play at all. Bob, you know, you're such an established writer and you've dedicated a lot of your career to covering the ins and outs of Tiger Woods. And let's face it, he still continues to be one of the most, if not the most intriguing sportsman on the planet. Where he is at now and his story, what fascinates you and captivates you the most about where he's at and where he's going right now? Well, I think there's a couple of things on. I mean, one that he even tries. I mean, he doesn't have to do this at this point. Uh, why, why even push on at all? Uh, you know, he's had such an incredible career. We know the physical limitations and yet what did he show in 2022, you know, sort of that inner drive, that, that focused determination that not many of us have, uh, to actually do what he did play four rounds at Augusta broke par the first day. Let's be honest, two weeks before the masters, nobody, none of us thought he was going to be there. So he shows up, shoots 71 the first day, makes the cut, comes back at the at the PGA, you know, well, I believe it was Birdie's two of the last seven to make the cut, plays one more round, withdraws, gets to the open, which had been his main goal all year, was to play at St. Andrews, and he did that too. Uh, and, 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 you know, I just think it's remarkable that, that he's even doing this. You know, it was way sooner than probably we thought, and... Um, you know, now here we are. I think we're all hopeful that there can be a little bit more. He even mentioned, uh, uh, you know, that he'd like to like to play the four majors and a couple more. 
Uh, and I think I think I'd add in, you know, obviously the part with Charlie. You know, he's clearly relishing his son getting better at the game and and being able to spend that time with him and watching him uh, progress. Bob, and concurrent with his rehab and is obviously looking forward to competing with Charlie this week has been his leadership role in this battle between the PGA Tour and live, you know, had Tiger decided to sit out on the sidelines, no probably would have said boo. Are you surprised that he's been as vocal as he has in this issue? Yeah, a little bit, I think. Um, this has not really been Tiger's M.O. over the years. He sat back on big issues. Um, look, you know, uh, there would have been a time where, where Tiger might have been behind the scenes lobbying to get – I mean, who deserved – who deserved it more than Tiger, right? The, you know, the guaranteed money or, or the things that have led to live. Uh, so it is a little surprising. But, I mean, I think as he's gotten a little older, Tiger's taken on a, a more of an elder statesman role. He's been, uh, you know, more quotable on, on topics in the game. He doesn't seem to shy away from him as much. I think he's much more this way when he's not playing. You know, if he would have played at the Hero, I'm not sure he would have said some of the things that he said because his focus is so much on his game and playing. Uh, but when he's not playing, he takes on this role. And as you noted, he took a big behind-the-scenes role, the meeting in Delaware with Rory and the players. I mean, the following week, the PJ Tour comes out with a slew of changes that were quite significant that we're going to see now in 2023. Um, and, you know, the the players who, who are on the PJ Tour probably deserve – Look, they owed him a lot of gratitude already for what he brought. And now, look, at it, it's probably going to be even more. You're right, Bob. The, the role of Tiger Woods in this game continues to evolve. Uh, we really appreciate your thoughts on a Monday. Uh, so if we don't see you, Merry Christmas and thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Enjoy it. Have a great day. And you, and still to come on Golf Today, an emotional weekend in the final stage of PGA Tour Champions Q School. Coming up, you'll meet Brian Cooper, one of the five players headed to PGA Tour Champions next year. Welcome back to Golf Today as careers were on the line over the weekend. On Sunday, a total of 46 players earned LPGA cards at Q Series following a 144-hole eight-round grind. Yes, over two weeks. The first full-field LPGA event of the season will take place March 23rd through 26th at the LPGA Drive-On Championship. So congratulations to those 46 players. And over in the final stage of the PGA Tour Champions at Q School, five players secured full PGA Tour champion status for 2023. Richard Green earned medalist honors at TPC Scottsdale, while Wes Short Jr., Tim O'Neill, David McKenzie, and Brian Cooper also earned full status for next year. That's Brian, the big man on the right of your screen. Ten career PGA Tour champions starts his best finish in T43 in the 2019 Principal Charity Classic, 2016 Arizona Open champ, 2017 Arizona Senior Open Champ and a 2015 PGA Tour Latino America member. And when he got his card, Anna afterwards had trouble putting his words into reality. You know, I mean, I battled this openly on this body. I mean, I battled depression pretty hard this year, so it's been a hard year. So uh, I had shoulder surgery, and it was pretty significant. So to get through all that and... It's pretty, 
hard to put it in words. It's really, it's hard to put it in words. I worked so hard for this. So now I just get to enjoy it with my family and having my brother on the back. This week was, I mean, I know my dad would really, really appreciate that. And he would have loved that. So, so it's pretty cool. And Brian posted this to social media after the fact. When you take a quiet moment to soak it all in, after you realize what you've just accomplished in gaining full status through Q School for the 2023 season on the Champions Tour. And Brian joins us now. Brian, it's great to see you on social. We've seen the tears and the gratitude, a lot of exhaling and reflection. What have the last couple of days been like for you as this new reality sinks in? Well, I, I, I'm not real thrilled that you just did that again to me and made me cry. But <laughs> it's all—it's—it's it's, honestly, I don't think it's—it's it's sunk in. It's—it's uh, it's extremely surreal still to this day. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be that way for a while. It's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, this feeling is just—it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming for me, my friends, my family. Sponsors, everybody that's, you know, it's always stood by me and believed in me, you know. Uh, last year was a tough year. And, uh, I mean, I lost a lot of faith in myself. But it's been uh, it's been quite a whirlwind these last couple of days. I mean, I think in the last two days I've had five hours sleep. I'm just, like, wired. I cannot sleep. So it's it, – but it's, it's an unbelievable feeling. A moment in your career, Brian, that you have worked so hard for and will be an inspiration to so many people out there. And it's not the first time that you found yourself at final stage of Q School. It's the fourth consecutive trip that you've made there. What has kept you so motivated over the years to keep picking up the clubs, keep getting up and just keep going at it? You know, it's, you know, I, I have to attribute a lot of it to my dad. You know, uh, he always pushed me as a youngster to, to be my best. Um, and I've always adapted the, you know, the feeling of just saying, listen, if you tell me I can't do it, all I'm going to do is work harder and harder and harder to do it. If you can't, you know, if you can't, if you tell me it can't be done, I'm going to show you that it can be done. Um, but I've always pushed myself hard. I've always believed in myself. And nobody, nobody's harder or pushes themselves harder than I, than I do. Um, uh, unfortunately, I'm just kind of the same way with my little nine-year-old, his hockey. <laughs> But uh, he responds the same way, so it must be in the blood. Oh, there he is. <laughs> there, there he is. And you've called him the, the best thing to ever happen to you. You both love sports so much. What was your first conversation like with him after you secured your card? Um, dude, why are you doing this to me right now? <laughs> um, wow. It was tough. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I'm really, I push him to, to achieve everything he wants. And, uh, you know, I'm, I definitely think I'm maybe a little hard on him, but he responds and, you know, I, but it's, it's just my way of saying, son, anything you can do, anything you, you want to do and you set your mind to, you can do. And, you know, honestly, I'm living proof of that. I'm 55 years old. I don't have the pedigree these guys have that, you know, that were at finals. Um, but I've just always pushed myself and believed in myself that I could do anything that I set my mind to. And, you know, and this week, it finally came, it finally came true. I've been to finals. I've been in this position a couple times. And it's weird that third round in, in a couple of years that I was inside the number or right on the number after two rounds, that third round's always been my nemesis. And this year, when that third round went the other way, you know, a little light in my head went off and said, 
okay, this, uh, this might be a little different this year. So, and lo and behold, you know, it was. Brian, the folks at home would have no idea that when I visited with you during the WM Phoenix Open earlier this year, your shoulder was in a sling. You were two weeks off of surgery. How did you get from there to here? Well, I mean, I thank my guys at Spooner. Um, they were they were unbelievable in, in respect to getting me back, working me hard. My doctor, Freeberg, I mean, they did a great job. Uh, but it was definitely a long road. And any athlete that's ever been uh, through rehab, whether it's shoulder, D, elbow, it's lonely. It's a lonely existence. It's you and your workouts and your trainer and nobody else is going through it with you. So it's, it's tough. And, you know, I went through that and there were periods in there where I questioned, what am I doing? Am I, am I working this hard to come back for something? Um, or is this the end? Is this the sign? And that's unfortunately when, you know, those demons that I spoke of candidly uh, crept in. And when the days got dark and, you know, you started to question a lot of things that you were doing. And Brian, a part of your story and a part of your recovery to get to where you are now with this bright future ahead it is battling depression, which you were so open about talking about and sort of mentioning how going public was a way of relieving that burden and, and a way of overcoming it. Mental health is something that a lot of players have spoken about this year, and it's something that is a very hot topic of conversation and is so important. What would you say to someone who is going through it, who isn't sure whether to speak out, and what effect it had on your life having gone through that? Well, I think for me, the first thing was admitting it to myself. Um, and those dark days made it possible. Uh, but I can honestly say I've had so many people, friends, come to me and, and thank me for being able to be so candid because they feel like it's helped them. And they've been, for lack of a better word, in the closet, not wanting to admit it openly. I, I can't tell you in the last two days how many messages I've got just on social media alone by friends, fans, just people that saw the story, you know, via, you know, uh, PJ Tour champions posting it. And them saying, thank you. I appreciate you, you know, being so candid and forthright and, and honest about your struggles. And, you know, and I just tell them, I said, you got to battle. First thing you got to do is you got to admit it to yourself. And once you admit it to yourself, then you got to get help. You know, I've had this conversation with many people. And quite frankly, if I had not come out and been honest with myself, I have no idea where I'd be right now because there were some really there were some really dark days and, you know, there were some really sh some deep struggles that I was dealing with by myself. And I was afraid to admit it because there is a stigma about this with, especially with male athletes and there shouldn't be. I mean, we all go through it. You lose a parent. You're going to be, if you, if you're not depressed when you lose a parent, then you're lying to yourself. So there's all forms of depression. Um, but the first step in getting that is admitting it to yourself and then, you know, going forward and getting therapy, and therapy's been a godsend to me. Brian, you've been on the fringes for a long time. Now you're in the mix. You're buddies with Jim Furyk. You know a lot of the guys out there. Just from a competitive athletic standpoint, what are you most looking forward to in mixing it up with these guys in 2023? Every week. <laughs> I mean, honestly, every week. I mean, come on, man. I mean, this is, this is, a, this is a dream come true. 
Um, I've always felt like I belonged out there. Um, you know, I think I've had, you know, a lot of success as associate member and Monday qualifying. I mean, there was a year, I think I caught Monday four times Monday and qualified for two majors. And there were five other, you know, Mondays that I missed by one shot. So it could have been like a full year of just Monday. Um, so I know I had always been kind of on the, just on the edge of getting there, you know, on a regular basis. And I just, I, I knew once I, I just knew that if I just persevered that I could get there. And um, I didn't know it was going to be this year because I didn't even know if I was going to play golf anymore. I mean, I went the first stage this year and I practiced, I think, two days before first stage. And I hadn't touched the club in like three weeks. I mean, I think I had 35 rounds total under my belt in 2000, in this year alone. So, I mean, there was very little drive to want to go play golf this year. Um, so to do this is so much more surprising. Um, but maybe that's, maybe that's the, uh, the recipe for me is to not put so much pressure on myself and have a little bit more fun outside the game. And maybe it'll make it a little bit easier for me to have some success inside the ropes. Brian, I know how much you've battled. Your story is so inspiring. Enjoy every step. Congratulations. We'll speak to you soon. All right, brother. Good talking to you. And you. He is Brian Cooper. Coop, the lifer in this game and now a member of PGA Tour Champions. We're back after this. Welcome back to Golf Today. Well, time now for a DP World Tour update as South Africa's Oki Strydon finally claimed his first win on the DP World Tour after 19 second place finishes. The 37-year-old won the Alfred Dunhill Championship by two shots as Strydon birdied four of his first five holes to take the lead, firing a final round three under 69. A lot of perseverance for Aki, first career. DP World Tour win was 384 in the official World Golf Ranking entering the week. Tied the Leopard Creek course record with a 63 in the third round and moved up to 242 in the official World Golf Ranking with that victory. Now, meanwhile, it was Tom Hoagie inside the gala who took home the title of the QBE shootout over the weekend. Their 182 total tie, second best score in tournament history. Nelly Corda was one of two LPGA Tour players in the field. She and partner Denny McCarthy finished the week at 27 under par after rounds of 60, 67, 62. That's right. And I have to say, Nelly Corda put on a bit of a show. So for more Nelly, we bring in our very own Paige McKenzie. And Paige, before we break it all down, let's check out some of her best moments from over the week. Starting in the first round, that scramble format, she came out right from the start and just let the world know why she's so good. Well, we know she's a good ball striker, smooth rhythm. Uh, you can see just how firm that green is, but well judged on the release. So she would convert the birdie there on the fourth. How about over to the second round? Now, the team wasn't doing so well, and they kind of said to themselves, look, we've got nothing to lose. So they got red hot on 16. And how about this holding out page? Yeah, a bump and run into the grain up the hill. I mean, that was a touch of class. She set up eagle for Denny on 17. She then did this on 18. <laughs> Even she looked a little surprised by that one. <laughs> she did another chip in for birdie, and she captured the world's attention during this week. Now, final round, par 5, 14th, her third. 
You know, and, I, and she's she's had obviously the attention of the LPGA tour for a long time, but this a little different setup, a little different uh, matchup playing alongside the men. A golf course she's familiar with, but maybe a little different club into this final hole as well, playing super long with a hybrid in hand, nearly dunks it. Look at that, so close to holding out the eagle. Those guys just had so much fun out there. And while I don't think the boys could believe it, D-Hack. <laughs> I tell you what, Kisner reacting. I call her the Tiger Woods of the LPGA Tour at one point, and then through about seven or eight holes. I said she's hit every shot just like she wants to for eight holes. Like, does she ever hit a bad shot? I have no idea. I've never seen her hit a bad shot. And on it went. Scott Stallings, another pro, took notice saying this on Instagram. Let me be the first one to sign up for the Nelly Corda Short Game School. You know, these guys are out there calling her the Tiger of the LPGA page. I mean, this is... Just so good to see. Why are events like this, in your opinion, just so important for the women's game and for golf just as a whole? A, a couple reasons. Number one, I think of when I think of the best female athletes and kind of the biggest platform and the biggest stage, I think of the Olympics. And part of why I feel like uh, the Olympics is a little different is because it is the same stage. And you're not considered a, a female athlete and a male athlete. It's really just you're an Olympian. And there's that level of, of respect across all because you know how long, how, much, how difficult, excuse me, it is to get to that level. This to me is similar. Uh, rarely do you get a chance to side by side compete with uh, an equal, a counterpart of, of the opposite sex. And so I, th I think it brings out the best as it relates to the fan, not trying to say, well, you just compete against you know, the LPGA Tour, you compete against the PGA Tour, they're not two different sports. It's golf. And when you see shots side by side, I think you start to realize, wow, how impressive uh, some of the women are, how, how long they do hit it, how great they are around the greens uh, when you have it side by side. The second thing is you've got credible people giving praise. Uh, no matter what it is, if Scott Stallings says, hey, this person has great short game, he would know because he is a professional. So you have credible people in the PGA Tour professionals giving praise uh, to what is obviously another great athlete in Nelly Korda. Paige, why is that so important? Because I had a similar thought that it's not about, oh, she's a good woman's golfer. She's just a great golfer. She's an eight-time winner on the LPGA Tour, an Olympic gold medalist, a major champion. Why is that distinction so important that, hey, Nelly Korda's just a great golfer, period? <sighs> And I don't know how to respond to that other than saying, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and I think it's hard when there's two different categories, right? It's, it's women's golf and men's golf. And, and I'm not suggesting it should be any different. I think it's great uh, the way it is. I just think having credible people that are watching it and giving that kind of praise it is good and it's important. They, they play slightly different games, it, it, but it's still just golf. And... Anybody that says, hey, I'm down below, I've got to hit a chip bump and run into the grain to an elevated green, you can appreciate how difficult that is. And it's neat to see the partnerships and to see everybody cheering each other on and realizing game recognizes game. And there was very much a theme of that uh, over the course of this weekend. And you're right, Paige. Yes, it is very important to hear the likes of, you know, Kevin Kisner, Scott Stallings, these PGA Tour players noticing just how good these women are. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it sort of sounded a little bit like it's the first time they've ever seen her play and she's been world number one. And, it's, <laughs> and you're right. It's like, well, no kidding, guys. I mean, she is just a damn good golfer. But... 
You know, clearly, I'm sure there are still millions of men and women out there who have never watched the women's game and perhaps would have that sure. same reaction where they think, you know what, actually, yes, these women are very, very talented, but it feels like it does need to be on the same stage as the men just to have that little bit of sure. an extra spotlight to get that little bit more attention, which is why going forward, it is clear evidence that these events do work and they are important. I mean, how much can you see the integration of the men's and women's game being a part of the golfing landscape going forward? I mean, I love these moments. I don't expect it to be a regular occurrence, but I love these moments dribbled and, and dabbled throughout the year, whether it's the Olympics, whether it's this mixed team event, um, because you do, I mean, again, when these players were growing up, they played together. You played junior tournaments together. You played AJGA events together. You all had those interactions and somewhere in college, it all started to separate and you kind of go on your two separate ways and you lose touch with what the other is doing. And I would say the same is true of the women when they get inside ropes with the men and you start to see the speed that they hit with, uh, how far everything is going, how good their short game is. So it's not a one-way street. And I think for as, a, as an athlete and as a player on both sides, it's fun to see and come together and see kind of what each other is doing. Yeah, it was so fun. This year, Lexi and Nelly at the QBE. Next year, we've heard rumors of having more women in the field, and it's definitely heading in the right direction. Paige, thank you so much. We'll see you later. How about our guy, Brian Cooper? When I visited yeah. him earlier this year, shoulder hurting, I mean, yeah. rehabbing and on his way to PJ Tour Champions. I know, when you look back at the last hour and all the great stories, he's got to be a stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your Monday. We'll see you tomorrow.